Kindergarten is here for the young children of the world. The best program on the radio for kids. Dealing with the most important topics in the whole universe. Fairy tales, music and movement, numbers, plants, animals, fun, colors, insects. Take care and cast your ears out to catch a story from the world of other young things. Reach out, up, under, and over. Sing a song. Talk about feelings. Just remember the magic word. The magic word is no. Step on into the secret kindergarten. Saturdays, 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on Revolution Radio. We, we, we did not engage in conflict that was out of line with our mission. Is it disloyalty? Is it sedition? Is it treason to oppose the hands of tyranny? Never! I will never send troops anywhere on a mission of that kind without telling them that if somebody shoots at them, they can darn well shoot back. I know not what course others will take. But as for me, give me liberty! A dark cloud is finally lifting across the world as U.S. military intelligence and their global partners are destroying the deep state criminal power structure that has ruled over our planet for hundreds of years. We are free with the God-given rights, and we shall not yield that right to any power on Earth. Hi, I'm Scott McKay. The world is at, and I am your host on The Tipping Point. On Revolution Radio, where every Monday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, we bring you the latest in this ensuing takedown of this global criminal empire. That's an image of strength. You'll get the raw, hard truth here on The Tipping Point. So come join us Mondays, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, in Studio B at Revolution.Radio. Thanks for listening while we take that short break here at Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com. And now we're going to get back to your host. All right. Welcome. Welcome to Free Association. Let me turn that down a little bit. Don't want the echo too much. All right. So it's four o'clock on a Saturday afternoon in the northeast of England in Newcastle. 11 a.m. on the East Coast in the States. This is a show that can go off in any direction. I don't limit what I do on this show, really. It's just wherever my head's at on a Saturday afternoon. And uh, that's that's what I'm doing today, because I was listening to an interview that uh, Richard Vobes put up yesterday. And I think it's worth it's worth playing as part of the the conversation about money and about alternative currency systems, alternative trading systems. So I'm what I'm going to do is play. It's about fifty minutes. I'm going to skip the first five minutes and maybe skip some of the middle, but uh, we should, in theory be able to listen to, to quite a lot of this. Right, let's see what we've got. I think this is the one. 
Yeah, let me skip the first five minutes or so because that's an introduction. This is a an interview with a woman who was a, a whistleblower at a nursing home who's now involved in a local exchange trading system. Uh, and she's talking about time banking. Deeper and told them that I was the only nurse who'd actually cared for them. So, yes, so that's on this journey, really. Right. Well, I mean, it is certainly encouraging to hear, you know, good stories about the police because we hear so many bad stories. And I'm sure plenty of people watching have those up their sleeve. But it is encouraging that there are some good guys out there. So that's good. Um, So, yes, so then you that, as you just said, then it brought you down onto a, a path that you hadn't chosen um, so, so tell us a little bit about your natural law group that you um, that you chair. Yes, um, well, I was very fortunate to uh, bump into some like-minded people at the stand in the park during you know lockdowns and all the rest mm. of it, and was first introduced to common law and uh, the different jurisdictions, and realised the fraud that you know we've all been exposed to and indoctrinated to, into from birth. So a few of us decided to get together and put together this knowledge um, and put it to the test and became sort of guinea pigs, if you like, and stopped paying bills, um, gas, water, electricity, council tax, parking fines, speeding fines, and putting things to the test. And as a consequence, I set up what we call the rapid response team. So anyone's dealing with the unlawful and illegal activity of bailiffs and police or any enforcement agent, they just call one of the team and we'll, you know, arrive on mass. And wow. to date, I have to say, um, quite an accolade, we have 100% success in seeing bailiffs and police off-premises. Um, so the, the team uh, is phenomenal. Oh, congratulations on that. That is, I mean, it's just so, it's so encouraging from me from this perspective because I'm talking to so many different people and they're doing similar things. And it's so encouraging because people are doing this and they're beginning to become more confident. And, and you know, people like you who are setting these things up should well be congratulated because you're, you know, as a guinea pig, as you said, you're trying it out. And it's great that you're able to achieve these sort of things. Yes, but as I say, I can't take the credit on my own. Um, we're working with some phenomenal people, and I hope you don't mind me uh, naming them, but, you know, Dave McGuinness, Don Cavana, Sarah, Dave Downs, um, they're all phenomenal people, and their knowledge together, one incredible team. Um, and as I say, we have 100% success. We're teaching people how to write the lawful notices and with, you know, uh, draw consent, um, you know, the sort of implied consent that was never given in the first place because fraud runs through and, you know, negates all contracts anyway. Um, So we're having some success with some of the group members also reclaiming some money as well. Um, oh, but fantastic. So that's very positive. So, yeah, that's the Monday group uh, fighting the current system uh, lawfully. Um, and that's linked in really with our sort of other sort of support services and systems that we're creating as well with the time banking, um, what we call Gardens of Hope, our health team that we call RISE, um, and our life skills curriculum. 
so, uh, right. That, so there's a lot going on. You're a very busy lady then, by the sounds of things. Um, but all all in the right direction, which is so great. So, so time banking, can you explain what that is? Yes. Um, well, as we most of us have come to realise now that the fiat currency, you know, it, it's backed by nothing and we may as well be passing around, you know, sweet wrappers as yeah. absolute insanity, you know. So we give all our labour and our time to, you know, for these sort of IOU notes and to make other people richer whilst we're just fed crumbs from the table. Well, we all have choices. We have free will and we have choices. So some of us choose not to be in this current system and the anticipated systems of control and surveillance. And we want um, a life of abundance and freedom and peace and unity. So what we have done is we're using time as currency. Now, it's a very strange concept for those who've never heard of it before, because, of course, we've only ever dealt with currency. Mm. So rather than be paid in currency for the time, we are credited the time into a bank account. So everyone who signs up is automatically credited with 100 hours in their current account. Um, no one can go um, three hours in the negative, in the red. So they have to try and contribute to the hope, to the community, to keep it afloat. Um, for every hour donated to the hub, five minutes is credited to that person's pension account. So the whole idea is to keep the current account low whilst building the pension account. So we pledge our knowledge, skills and experience and if we're willing to teach. And we have a directory of services of who has what skills and what geographical areas they're willing to cover. And we have an admin team over different sort of aspects, so sort of domestic um, support, transport services, the health, the actual admin for the time banking itself, and for the gar what we call gardens of hope for the growing food. So we have different admin teams. Um, the health team, of, the health is called RISE, which is an acronym for Rediscovering Ancient Healing Practices. I is for inspiring people to take responsibility for their own health. S is for spirituality, because we're not just physical beings. And E is for embodiment, because we're not just physical beings. And the whole idea is that the RISE team are paid from the community pot. So as people uh, donate hours to the, t uh, to the hub, as I say, five minutes is credited to their pension account, but five minutes is also credited to the community part. Then, for instance, the life skills curriculum. Um, I am a keen gardener and I do teach organic growing and permaculture. It just happens to have been a, a skill and a passion of mine and uh, to sort of de-stress from a very stressful, demanding job, you know, managing dementia units. So, mm. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. So a very keen, passionate gardener for 30 years. Um, so I have been teaching permaculture and organic growing. And 
So say, for instance, I was to do a lecture seminar on permaculture and I knew that it was going to take two hours to deliver, but a couple of hours to set up and do all the groundwork. So say three hours, that's five hours. And then an hour, uh, you know, sort of post-delivery, consolidating the lecture, if you like, that would be six hours. And say in the hub, 10 people wanted to attend that lecture, so they know it's going to be two hours. So two hours would come off each of their current accounts. So that would create 20 hours. So for the six hours that I've put in to deliver that, that would be that would come off those 20 hours, leaving 14. Those remaining 14 hours get accredited to the community pot to pay to for the health team. And then it, as we're exchanging skills and services directly, um, the time comes off each other's bank accounts. So it does sound complicated, but it, it is a very, very simple concept. Right. I mean, like so many things that are simple, on the face of it, when you're trying to sort of break it down, it can seem a bit, uh, a bit complicated. So if it's based on people's time, some people, um, how is that related to their skill sets? Because some people might say, oh, my skill set is worth more than somebody else's skill set. You see, that's the current ideology with the yeah. thinking, you know, we've been indoctrinated into. At the end of the day, time is time. What right. makes your time more valuable than mine? You know, because um, somebody actually said to me, well, you've got a doctor who's trained for years and years, and you've got someone who just mowed, and they said just the word just, just mows the law. You know, how does that equate? And I said, well, a skill is a skill, time is time. You know, um, and the problem with the society, that we've been indoctrinated into. We've had the sort of superior class system that someone's skills is worth more than another. Um, and that's just not true. You know, uh, it's about you. But, but in your, um, and I don't mean, I'm not criticising, I'm just exploring this. In your doctor's example, they may have put several years aside where they could not practice in order to get to the point where they're able to open their door to the public. And then they may you know, only be able to do so many hours a week because of what they do. Um, and so if you took an extreme example of, say, a brain surgeon, um, well, I suppose a brain surgeon is going to be there spending eight hours sorting out one patient, but he may have a whole load of other work. But either way, I suppose the argument, as you've just presented it, someone will say, well, I've, I've spent five, eight years, ten years, whatever it is, training to do something which may only take an hour at the end of it. How is it that I get remunerated for that? Well, that brain surgeon still needs a house cleaning, still needs dogs walking, still needs children educating, still needs a garden maintaining, still needs to grow food and mm. feed the family. Um, you know, so it comes down to support um, and pooling our skills and knowledge together. Um, uh, I mean, for instance, the likelihood of us needing a brain surgeon, thank God, is quite remote. 
Uh, well, my son actually needed a brain surgery because he had a he had a brain bleed. But it, um, and and they are very busy. But you're quite right. Yes, but um, the, the strangest coincidence, Richard, is as I said, I was a nurse for 27 years and managed care homes for 21. The six years prior to that, I was a theatre nurse and specialised in neuro. So you know, <laughs> I ha have actually participated and you know and you know assisted with brain surgery. So. Yeah. Um, so I do know that obviously people have traumatic events in life and health issues, obviously. Um, but thankfully, the chances of that happening are quite, you know, far and few. They are. I agree that. I mean, it is. They are rare. Um, Where, uh, say, for instance, you were laid up in bed with, a, you know, a broken leg or um, a, a heavy cold of the flu. You know, your dog still needs walking. You know, mm. that sort of exchange of skills and, you know, and that's likely to happen far more than the chances of you needing the skills. No, but I'm just thinking if you've got to, if you've got to invest time um, over, uh, say, three or five years, whatever it is, uh, in order to get to the point where you're able to then charge for services that you've trained for, there's five years in which you're not earning because you're you're spending money to, or you've got a grant or whatever it is to get there uh, you may feel that i would like those five years of earnings coming back somehow from what i end up doing this leads me to um, a gentleman that the universe has connected me with um, a gentleman who actually only lives about three miles away from me um, peter and peter's setting up a system um, and the strange thing is we've both come up with a similar concept but he's come from a technical angle, whereas mine's been the more sort of humanitarian angle. Right. He's developing a technical side with, um, um, you know, apps and things, but also a bartering and exchange system with also a currency that he, he calls Alpha Love Live Lifelong Learning. So it's not just a case of exchange and barter time for time. There's also the, um, uh, you know, chance and choice of uh, increasing um, expenses for people who've got sort of specialist niche skills, um, as you're saying, such as a brain surgeon, so they can exchange and barter as well and also use this L currency. Um, I did ask if Peter wanted to come on here today with you and talk with you but he says it's very embryonic and he would like to come on, on your show in about three four months time when he's got yeah, yeah no problem something a bit more concrete to yeah but so we're not just discussing um the time banking we are looking at other elements to account for that sort of anomaly that uh, yeah quite right. i suppose if you've got i mean and i'm just thinking off the, off the top of my head here if you've got somebody who who in order like say a veterinarian to look after animals still you've got to go under training but if you know within your environment that that veterinarian is going to be serving you presumably that the, your um your your community could support that person while they do their training Absolutely. And then, and then they agreed that they will, of course, be able to look after all the animals um, because they've been supported with food and, and all the other bits and bobs that they need um, and, and helping with bills being paid whilst they do that very, very important training. So everybody is supporting one another. That's right. Is that, 
Yes. Yeah. Well, Peter's system is slightly different to mine. And my, my system with the training, um, you paid to be trained, as I explained before, with your time. But with uh, Peter's system, the actual students get paid for their time in attendance. So we're still sort of tweaking that, really. Right. Uh, but it sounds like the long-term... Um, training courses such as medicine and veterinary practice, Peter's system would be far more viable. Right. I mean, the main thing is, it, it seems to me, that the fact that people like yourself and others are thinking in a more holistic and positive way to how you help people um, and, and paying for um, the things that they need to do or the training they need to do or, or just, as you say, just doing more, um, and, I, and I've just done the same thing by putting just in, but by doing those other services which are equally important, like helping people walk the dog if they can't get out, or mowing the lawn, or painting, or whatever it is, haircuts, uh, something that obviously I have a, a lot of trouble with, um, those sort of things that, that we do need on a daily, on a, on a, on a, on a, certainly on a weekly basis or whatever. Um, and... And the, uh, the debt currency that we have is keeping us down and constantly keeping us in that negative loop. So um, I'm, I'm very much encouraged that, uh, that this sort of thing is, is going on. What other future? You talk about the, the growing and um, the other things. Tell us a bit about those as well, what you're doing with your, within your community. Yes, absolutely. We've adopted a strategy that was actually developed down south by a gentleman called Daniel. Um, it's called Gardens of Hope. And it's based on a model by an Indian lady called Vandana Shiva. Um, and the Gardens of Hope concept is that people come together, pledge their gardens for growing food. And also... Um, Preferably, um, what we have um, a blitz, what we call a blitz team. So they're going on site and getting people's gardens ready for next season and making sure that they've got all the utensils and everything that they need. We're asking people, um, elderly people with garden space and disabled people with garden space to pledge their gardens and teaming them up with able-bodied people who don't have garden space. So they can support one another and that concept is very much in its infancy but is doing very well and um, we have one gentleman in particular um, a young disabled gentleman who was quite depressed could no longer attend to his garden it was all overgrown and um, one of our group knows him so she had a word with him and he was all for it and he said if we could get his patio sort of um, usable for him because it was overgrown with buddleia, we could get it usable for him. He pledged the last two thirds of his garden space uh, um, for growing uh, fresh fruit and vegetables. And the first day, seven of the Blitz team turned up and we cleared his patio. Well, the poor man was nearly in tears and oh. in oven, was giving us all chocolates and, you know, it was really sweet, you know, really <laughs> So, and, and presumably they benefit as well from the food that's grown. Absolutely. And the, the team that are, are put on that site, um, the, the three um, able to, who are on that site working on um, Carl's Garden, they've said um, they couldn't believe the therapeutic benefits for them because they don't really have garden space. And they said how much they've enjoyed it and how they've got out of it being with nature and working together as a team and, and learning and, you know, it's, it has been great fun and yeah. unifying really, putting the unity back into community. And, and, and this is quite interesting because we've gone through this very difficult period 
um, and we may have some more difficulties ahead, of course. Um, but in a way, it, it has brought people back together, you know, enlightened people who are thinking, hang on a minute, if we carry on on this path that we have, where we're atomized, we're behind screens, we're indoors, we're, we're letting the government or the councils do everything for us, we're not taking responsibility. And people like that gentleman who can't get out into his garden is then just looking at the overgrown thing and, and, and being depressed by it all because it seems nothing has happened. It, it's actually opened up a, a silver lining that I think people are beginning to realise, wow, what an opportunity to bring back the fun, okay, hard work, but rewarding, pride and, and all those sort of things. Absolutely, Richard. It's, it's been great. I mean, um, I say just to see this man's face at the transformation of his patio, and in, nearly in tears, and mm. as they, the people who have put on the team on that site, who were worrying about growing food because they know what's coming, you know, or what we expect and what we anticipate is coming, and their concern about how they're going to grow food and not having the space and, and putting that together and they're all supporting one another and it was Carl who suggested well they have a kitty for the team to buy you know things on site um, so he started a kitty and they've all put in £50 each to buy resources and we've been sourcing free pallets and um, shipping crates to create vegetable beds and things and you know um, looking for old children's trampolines to turn that you know the hoops into uh polytunnels and that kind of thing oh right oh brilliant yeah a lot of imagination going on there you yeah. said you worked in in care homes do care homes have relatively large gardens that could be turned into food sources um, some of them do, yes. I mean, a lot of them have sensory gardens anyway for right. people with dementia, you know, people with vision yes. problems and uh, sensory problems. So they do have uh, sensory gardens with, you know, lots of lavenders and, and um, you know, uh, roses and smelling, you know, plants and things. Um, so, and of course, gardening is therapeutic. And so a lot of them do have little gardening clubs where the more able-bodied will try yeah. and plants and things. Um, but with regards to growing food, I don't think so much of that is going on, no. But it's certainly to be encouraged. Well, I, I mean, I know my dad um, unfortunately had to go into a home for a year and he deteriorated like nobody's business. And the worry for me is his son was what they were feeding him. And it was very much highly processed, uh, very um, sloppy food that was easily digestible and admittedly he had he had come to a point where he was unable to fend for himself in any way and he had to be spoon fed and that's why we ended up unable to cope for him I mean we were with him 24-7 until we couldn't just could not do it on our own and lifting him to the loo and all those sort of things um, my sister and I but it struck me looking at that that a lot of people, when they get not as advanced as him, although um, it would also help them, is that they're not eating or they're not being given um, enough fresh produce. Um, and, and if there was a team, as you described, is able to be able to grow stuff that they can eat, the nutrient value of that in their diet must be, uh, you know, if the will is there, would be amazing for people. Absolutely, absolutely, Richard. I mean, I'm also a beekeeper, so I. Why you? Yes, yes. And so I know about the therapeutic properties of both honey and propolis. You know, I've used honey as a nurse. You know, on wounds. 
and I know that the propolis is antiviral and antibacterial. So, you know, you've got, you have your own medicine, your own back garden, you know. Um, I'm not suggesting that it replaces you know, prescription medicines by any manner of means, but, you know, um, if times are going to be difficult and we're going to have difficulty sourcing medicines, mm. you know, we, we need to think about natural natural medicines. As I say, I was giving out the uh, recipe for hydroxychloroquine um, during lockdown and, and during the pandemic, and it's so easy to make. It's unbelievable. It's in citrus fruit peel. You just boil the peel for two hours, and the liquid left is your hydroxychloroquine. Wow. Yeah. Simple, simple as that. Um, and this is the thing, I mean, it, what, what's encouraging, again, is this sort of imaginative taking back control and thinking. And it does throw us back to the 1940s during, you know, the dig for victory and all of that. Us, again, having the, the gumption to get up and, and work together as, as a, a group of people for better good, rather than this sort of somewhat lazy, convenient world that we live in at the moment, where, although it is convenient, where's the satisfaction? As you say, seeing somebody smiling because you've suddenly transformed their patio back to the patio rather than that buddleia, which uh, I have problems on a wall I've got here, um, crumbling it away, um, is it, it, it's so rewarding helping people. I think we've lost... We've lost that understanding of what that really means and how it helps us. Uh, absolutely. You know, we are so disconnected from nature. Um, you know, we forget that we are natural beings. We are part of nature. You know, uh, we look as nature as outside of us. We are, we are part of that symbiotic relationship. And we've abused that relationship for so long for the sake of convenience mm. and for, you know, to benefit and profiting others. Um, and it's time to redress that balance and, you know, come together and share our skills and knowledge. And it's strength in numbers and strength in unity, you know. Um, and they say that a, judge, a society can be judged on how it treats its vulnerable. Well, neither say more. Look at the homeless, you know, on the streets. You know, as I say, the abuse and neglect of the elderly, um, you know, need us say more. Whereas the vision that I, I know I particularly have with the time banking system that I've been working on is that we grow in numbers with people with sufficient skills and knowledge. We can care for people with complex health care needs in the comfort of their own home. They're not having to give up their homes, their precious pets. We can care for their pets. We can do their cooking, we can do their cleaning, we can do their gardening, you know, all for free. Mm. We can care for complex needs 24 hours a day if we all came together in sufficient numbers for free. Yeah. That is the kind of society I want and that I want for my grandchildren and for the future generations to come. It is strange that we're in a position in which the um, the councils and the government uh, can you hear me we lost lost contact there i think we froze then yes oh sorry about that um it's interesting i was just going to say it's interesting that we're in a we're in this situation where we've almost come to accept and i think a lot of people like yourself and others of course have not come to accept this that we're being dished out a load of policies from high above let's say uh, those that uh, think they're in control 
um, which are very anti-human. Yes. And you, and you do think, hang on, if I was designing a society that we, we are living in, would I design what we have now with these policies where people are being ta bedroom tax and, um, you know, if you ringing up the GP at half past eight and if you can't get through tough or it's three, four weeks to get an appointment. And, and then, of course, all of the shenanigans of the, uh, the, the recent years of um, the so-called virus that's been going around um if you were to design that and say i'm going to offer that to the public would you like to live like this i think we'd all be going uh, no thank you and yet we've all sort of sleepwalked into this but it's time we did wake up from that sleep and the more we hear about the the more humane ways of living living with nature with each other and, and not gauging everything by money all the time in which these corporations are sort of doing um has has got to be a, a bright and cheerful future for us absolutely richard well when i discuss this concept with people the first thing they say to me is they haven't got any time right and um, of course if you're too busy with your nose to the grindstone running on that treadmill trying to you know drum up these iou notes to pay bills that you don't need to pay well yes you don't have time but if you take yourself out of that system lawfully fight it with the notices you suddenly don't need that money to be paying these fraudulent bills you suddenly have time and then we can come together and create this beautiful world of unity so tell me about these bills, because you say that uh, you're fighting against them lawfully. And um, yes. so what sort of bills are you talking about? Um, well, we're using their own acts and statutes against them, basically, using their own legislation. Um, thankfully, there's so many of them. They've got millions and millions. And, you know, they shoot themselves in the foot. You know, you've got one that says that one. Ooh, and at that moment, everything goes very quiet. Let's see if the... Uh, the uh, signal will pick up. Are you back there? Sorry, we had we had another we had another freeze. There's a, there's a lot of rain in the atmosphere at the moment. So yes, so sorry, you broke off when you said that you're using legislation basically against itself because there's huge numbers of it, and and it is interesting when you look at it because one says one thing, and then you look at the other one and go, well, well hang on a minute, these are both in conflict with each other. Absolutely. Like, you know, it's complete nonsense. I mean, of course, we are sovereign men and women and their acts and statutes have no jurisdiction over us anyway. And, and that's before you bring into the fact it's a treasonous government and the invocation of the, you know, um, Article 61 of the Magna Carta. But you put all that aside, you can fight using that. Um, but the most we found the most successful way has been to use their own acts and statutes against them. So it has been a bit of um, a learning curve, having to dive in and educate ourselves as to which acts and statutes are applicable. And um, once you've learned the basic, basic six really, which are mainly applicable to it all, and you know fight the fraud lawfully and put in your schedule of fees, you know how much it's going to cost them uh, for your time in answering their letters, their phone calls, their emails, their illegal warrants, trespassing on, on your property, uh, particularly if you've already got a notice of um, removal of implied rights of access on the door. So yeah, it's, it's quite fun and games really. 
And do, do you have a website that people can find out what you're up to? Actually, no, uh, we, we don't. Um, we have a telegram, two telegram groups. Because we set all this up when we were knee deep in lockdown, a lot of the group were a little bit, you know, paranoid. Uh, yes. So we didn't have, um, we didn't develop a website. Um, but we do have telegram groups. We have the, the us community, that's the time banking. Um, the Cornwall group, Di, who is uh, in charge of the Cornwall group, the time banking group, she did set up a website with one of her gangs and it is the us community. And the whole idea is that the us time ranking groups around the country um, tap into that and share their successes and failures. And um, also, you know, if there's a dearth of skills in one area, you know, but if a lot in another, how we can sort of support one another uh, with our skills and knowledge. So there is a website set up by uh, Diane in Cornwall. Um, but I have to say, us on the world have been pretty lacking and poor in tapping into that. Right, well, I'll grab that one, that, that one in Cornwall and put that, I'll grab that after the after we finish recording and um, put that in the description so people can go and have a look and, and um, work out uh, how they, you know, feel about it. And, and with your Telegram group, do you welcome new people coming along? Absolutely, yes. We've got um, the Rapid Response group on Wirral. Uh, we've got the US Community Town Banking, that's strictly just for the US community on the Wirral. Uh, no point in anyone else tapping into that because unless they're being part of the time banking system, sharing skills and knowledge, it's not really relevant to them. Right. Um, but we also have a WhatsApp group for the rapid response team as well, as well. but we will cover all areas of the Wirral and hopefully trying to support other people and setting up similar in their locality as well. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? I mean, this is what we really need to see is more and more groups setting up for their area. Uh, and so that you have that rapid response for somebody who suddenly, you know, mysterious people have turned money and all that. And you're a bit frightened. You don't know what to do. And being able to just give a, a call instead of to the police, to your rapid response. And uh, as you say, you've managed to turn them away, having them scurry away with their tail between their legs. Because presumably you're you're doing as I keep hearing from others that you're you're asking questions they cannot answer. That's correct. Yes. Tying them up in not going you know where's the liability order or where's this or where's the contract or where you know and I'm happy to pay you the money if you can just show me where I signed up for this and those sort of things. That's it. And usually the warrant is illegal. Um, you know, it's not signed or it's on some kind of electronic device. So you just cite the King's Bench ruling from 16th of December 2022. I can't remember the actual reference number right now, um, but that declared all, you know, unsigned warrants illegal. So it has to be a paper document with a wet ink signature in the court seal. So that's the first question we ask, you know. Wow. And it, isn't it amazing that they've, they've in a way... They've just left themselves so open to to honest everyday people being able to say, hold on a minute, you're not even operating by their own rules. Yeah. It, it seems they don't even know their own rules and they're just, just chances. Absolutely. You're quite right, Richard. They don't know their own rules. Uh, first time we had... Um, um, an enforcement agent turn up here for um, gas and electric meters um, because we have our own. And I had the rapid response team, we had 13 of the team on the driveway. 
And we had three lots of police come and go during the day. One time they turned up with a great big yellow van to arrest us all. And we had one policewoman um, tell us that she's an ex-magistrate and that she knew the law. No one knew the law like her. She didn't have a clue what she was talking about. Um, and they were trying to enforce this illegal warrant on electronic device, you know. Um, so we, we put um, Merseyside Chief the illegal and unlawful behaviour of our own agents. So, um, yeah, so since then, we've noticed a change in the police behaviour and they they don't really engage with us. They stand off and just observe. And right. then after about an hour, we'll tend to go away with the tail between the legs. So I guess that's the thing. If you don't get angry, if you're very, you know, reasonable, if your attitude is reasonable to these people and you're asking the questions, I suppose the police are there in case there is a, um, a, a fight breaks out or punch up or you know a breach of the peace i suppose is the correct terminology um and and that's all they can get involved with other than just being somewhat intimidating by their very presence because they're wearing a comedy outfit um with all the, you know the bells and whistles that go with it um so yeah, tell me about absolutely and um, we've developed a strategy now um where the homeowner um don't engage with them. Try not to open the door. Just ring one of the rapid response team, and those first on site will be the ones to, to engage. We yes, we nominate two of the group. Sorry, may I, may I be more sympathetic? Affection. Um, so we nominate two of the group um, who are more knowledgeable, competent, and confident to engage. And we make sure that everyone else is there to record with their mobile phones and to witness any interaction. Um, so we try now not to, you know, because obviously initially we were, we were a little bit unprofessional, shouting over one another and a little bit yeah. excessible and, you know, it was a bit chaotic. Whereas we've now, you know, uh, refined ourselves now and developed a strategy. And that strategy, as I say, has proven to work. We've got 100% success. Well, that's brilliant. And I th you raise an interesting point there, because very often you'll see videos online where people are repelling um, bailiffs and people like that. And and you see that there's anger rising or they're getting a bit rude or, or what have you. And it, and it does come across as a bit unprofessional. If you're new to this, you're thinking, oh, I don't want to you know, have to behave like that in order to repel. And really and truly, you don't need to. You don't need to be you know sort of showing your muscles and swearing at people and telling them to, to to you know using foul language you can be firm but you can still you can still say honorable and 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 it's going to work out better for you if you do presumably absolutely um you know had we been a real rowdy rabble swearing and threatening the when the police turned up with that yellow van i've no doubt we'd have all been in there in the back of yeah. it uh, but the fact that we weren't um, and I was relaying cups of tea out to the, the gang on the driveway and we were passing around biscuits and anyone wanted to use the bathroom, you know. So it was very jovial in that respect, yeah. you know. And um, so, because uh, obviously with it being my address, although I have the knowledge, the it is very stressful. Um, yeah, of course. Even I need the, the team, you know, and, and they've been great. But likewise, I've gone to other people's addresses and, you know, we just keep it amicable, uh, calm. And, yeah, just pass around the cups of tea and coffee and the biscuits on the driveway. And, and we just keep the bailiffs and the police the other side of the gate. And then once 
um, it's got through to whoever makes these orders um, that we're not backing down and that we're on the right side of the law. Um, well, then they get the you know the call to step down and off they go. And disappear, yes, go and hassle somebody else. Um, so, do you deal with? Am I right in thinking you're dealing with other things like electricity, gas, and those sort of things? Because I mean, we've had the energy bill passed now and people are fearful that they're going to be persuaded to have a smart meter and of course the headlines is they've got these um, bullies um, have got the right now to break into your house and force oh hang on um, we may have lost I think I may have lost the connection um, oh no we're back we're back sorry about that ladies and gentlemen uh, there was a slight moment there as I, as I mentioned smart meters um, and people are slightly worried now, as I say, that they can break into your house and force you to have one of these. What's the situation with that, with, your, with the way that you deal with things? Well, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to come on your show, to be honest, Richard, because the consequences of the energy bill for people really bother me, really bothers me, because I know that people are at risk of losing their homes. And as you say, bullies breaking down the, the uh, doors. But we have to remember that the energy bill, it is legislation passed by the UK government parliament, which is a registered corporation, which has actually went into liquidation on the 12th of September, but by the by, um, it's a corporation, a private corporation. So therefore, the legislation it passes is nothing more than company policy. I'm not an employee of the UK government's PLC corporation, so their policies don't have any bearing on me whatsoever. Um, but even if they did, because it's a registered corporation, what's called the um, Clearfield Doctrine applies, which means that it is nothing more than company policy. So they have no rights, no authority and no jurisdiction to impose anything on any man or woman. And that's before we take into account the likes of the affidavit of Baron David Ward, um, that still stands as fact in law that consent of the governed is needed and they've never had our formal um, consent. So we just have to remind ourselves of our sovereignty and that our law, natural law, as sovereign men and women is far superior than mere company policy and they have no right to impose anything on any of us and that we stand together and we act lawfully um, and stay strong in numbers and fight this tyranny. Well, there you go. And, and this is the thing where if you don't know that, if you're not familiar with this, and this is why it's so important that you know you come on the show like this and other shows and, and other people find out about this, because people will assume that because it's a piece of legislation uh, that they have to obey it because they are falling into the trap of giving jurisdiction and then allowing people in and, and going, oh, golly, I don't want this, but, you know, it, it's law, not realising, it's, no, it's not law, it's legislation, and you're a living, breathing man or woman, and you're not part of the, as you say, you're not an employee of the, uh, the PLC. Um, and, and, and sadly, of course, we can't reach everybody, and that's really sad. If people have had it put in and they, and, and they listen to this and they go, bloody hell, I've got one of these wretched things, I don't want it, what can they do? 
Well, they can write um, retrospectively to the energy supplier, to the energy company, and they can cite um, health. Well, the fact that they've not given consent and they've given concerns for the health with the electromagnetic radiation poisoning. And then, of course, there's the fire risk, um, as we know, that they just explode, you know, instantly um, without warning. So um, no consent, no contract, and you don't need to you know, have anything forced upon you, whether it be a prepayment meter, a smart meter, or anything else. I spoke to a lady from the, I forget the exact name of it, the, it's an EMF uh, Radiation Protection Trust or Concern Trust, and she wrote an open letter to the government about these going into people's houses. Have gone again? Have I gone again? Um, hello. <laughs> hello, sorry about that. We'll we'll wind up the interview in a second. Uh, the, um, but I wrote to this lady um, from this. All right, so we'll we'll call that we'll call that enough of the uh, Richard Forbes interview. It keeps dropping out. So the the basis of it is the 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 rescue team, or as she puts it. And uh, I think there's a there's a local one up here, but it's not it's not in Newcastle. It's it's for kind of South Shields area, so it's a little bit further away from me. I did join a group on Telegram that I think is is one of the associated groups, and I know people who, are, who there's a, a community centre down there that I went to visit at one point um, in the middle of the summer. I went to have a look. Because uh, they've got a cafe and they've got four acres of land that they're going to turn into gardens and community space, and uh, they're not they're not there yet. They're nowhere near there yet, and they and the space isn't available on a Saturday. I was looking for a place to run a conference, so I went down to talk to the the woman who runs it, but it's it's block booked on a Saturday, so it was no good for what I wanted to do. But at least I know it's there, and uh, and it's uh, it's going to be there for a while. It's a it's a big big community centre place, so worth knowing about anyway. And I need to find one that's a little bit closer and get in, get get involved with that. The the only place I can use for a, for a conference at the moment is the the Lit and Phil, which is the the literature. And philosophy library, which is just around the corner from me, which is central, but it'll it'll cost me money, and I don't really want to pay money when I don't know how many people are going to show up for for whatever. I was trying to organise a a future of money conference, and this, these conversations are basically that. So it's going to happen. So the conference is happening as a radio show rather than as a a one-day conference, but the principle is the same. Uh, so I hope that was useful for somebody. It's UK-focused, but it's 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 useful to know that th these things are happening and that people have got experience in, in reducing the amount of bills that people are paying or turning away bailiffs or whatever it is. You need, you need to be confident with the law to be able to do that sort of stuff. So anything that gets people confident with the law is is a positive thing in my in my book. I need to get involved in in this sort of thing at some point, but I haven't I haven't as yet. But it's on my list of things to do. 
Right, so that's that's kind of what I wanted to do today. It, that video showed up about 45 minutes before the actual show, so I, I haven't got anything planned, really. Anything else planned? But uh, we can still we can have the conversation in the chat room. Lenny Time just showed up. Captain Fred just showed up as well. So we've got people in the chat room now. And Revolution Radio is entirely listener supported. So it it functions as two studios, but we rely on on listener donations to keep the studios running, to pay for the bandwidth and technical stuff, whatever it is that servers and and bandwidth mainly. Uh, nobody makes any money from from any of the operation on Revolution Radio. And if you want to make a contribution, you can do that by going to revolution.radio, looking at the top of the page on the menu, and you'll see a donations tab uh, where you can you can make a monthly donation or a one-off donation in currency or in cryptocurrency. There's, there's a lot of options, so just have a look, see which one suits you, and uh, you can send a, you can send a, a money order or, or whatever as well as a way to do that. But we do appreciate it. It keeps the lights on, keeps things running. And, uh, yeah, oh, the other thing I've got to talk about is I've got a new show coming up. Now, I haven't decided when yet, but I've booked the space on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. So that's seven o'clock my time. Uh, it might be that that the show actually starts at the beginning of next year, but I'm because it's we're getting towards December. I don't want to add anything in just before Christmas, so it might be that the first show officially is uh, is the first show in January. But the slot's booked, so I've got a an hour to work with on Saturday and two hours on Wednesday now as well, which means I can get through more material. And vary it a little bit more, so it all it all kind of works out in the end. As I say, I like to keep keep variety as a spice of life, so I like to keep things open as much as I can. Uh, it's going the format's going to be roughly the same as the Saturday show, so it'll be about twenty minutes of me, usually twenty twenty five minutes of me, thirty minutes, thirty five minutes of. Uh, a video conversation or a pre-recorded chat or when Lenny's around we'll do we'll do something live and have a two hour conversation that way and if I can find enough people to <clears throat> to come on then we'll do a round table every now and again as well but that's the principle so <clears throat> 2020 2024 gives me extra time and gives me a way to develop the themes in the show a little bit more because I was getting a bit frustrated with an hour as, as just being too too limited amount of time and uh, yeah that's pretty much it so that's the that's the show for the week I'll be back next week at the same time 11 a.m. Eastern 4 p.m. UK time and I'll see you then thanks for listening and have a good have a good week <coughs>
Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio. Mountain High Time, two hours of an organization to the madness, discussing the ever-changing dynamics of being both physically and mentally prepared for a plethora of possible outcomes to our future and present. A look into the latest technologies, new scientific discoveries, and how they might be used in connection to the human domain and controlling it, ancient cultures and places. Be warned. This is an opinionated look through headlines. Guests that are not afraid to question the narrative. A little bit of crazy ramblings of a stoner conspiracy factist that pushes constitutional concepts. The place and the time are the same, another dimension we call Mountain High Time. Saturdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Mountain High Time. Right here on Revolution.Radio, where information never sleeps and truth breaks the spell. I am Bill Johnson. Some consider my efforts to be an underground law school. I am not an attorney, and I do not give legal advice. I teach. That's lawful and legal. Consider yourself served. You are to appear Friday evenings, 8 p.m. Eastern, Studio A. My forte? Foreclosure and contract law. Grab your legal pad and pen. Learn a broad spectrum of law spanning administrative, criminal, family, tort, and federal law. Fools and losers cling to old cases. I dissect and comment on the latest rulings that control the courts. Don't be a loser. And if you don't appear, you will be held in contempt. Are you interested in the paranormal? Paranormal. 